Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hi, welcome to this episode of the Partners Financial Podcast. I'm Kristen Bulat, and today I am joined by the two experts in long-term care that we are privileged to call part of our partners family, Tom Rixey and Steve King. Thank you both for joining me today. I'm excited to talk to you about what's new and developing in the world of long-term care insurance. Great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Kristen. So, Steve, I'd love to jump in and start by talking about Washington and what's going on with Washington. And weirdly for me, I'm not talking about Washington, D.C. this time, but Washington State. What are they doing up there in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, it's it's funny. Washington, D.C. passed. So every year, Kristen, I go to D.C. uh, representing the National Association of Health Underwriters. And we meet with federal legislators, um, Senate Committee on Finance, their staff, And we talk about, here's what the country needs as it relates to long-term care. And after each and every one of these meetings, and I'm talking about for years and years, they a lot of head nodding, yes, yes. And at the end of the meeting, they say, thanks, but we're busy. (laughs) We're not going to get to this. And what the state of Washington did was they said, we can't wait. Our Medicaid expenditures are are rising dramatically. We think they're going to go up exponentially. So we can't wait for the federal government to come out with a federal long-term care plan we're going to come out with our own state plan. So the discussion started around 2017, but in 2019, Jay Inslee signed it into law where the Washington Cares Fund, as it calls, as it's called today, is the first of its kind uh, state publicly financed long-term care program. So it's a trust that, that the state is creating that will pay out $36,500 for long-term care benefit. It's a one-time benefit payment. And, and the intent there is to hedge or slow down the the Medicaid expenditures in the state and help Washingtonians plan for long-term care. Now, Tom and I in the industry probably wish they should have done it differently. Um, You know, it's financed through a payroll tax. And so beginning January 1st of next year, every W-2 employee in the state of Washington will pay a 0.58% payroll tax on their total earnings, unless they already own private long-term care insurance and, um, and if they don't have it now, they must own it or have it enforced before November 1st of this year. So it has just been something that Tom and I have never seen in our careers in, in terms of the interest in long-term care planning, the rush to get coverage enforced. And frankly, I don't think our carrier partners have seen it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have to have it by November 1st, where they're subject to the tax for all of 22? For the rest of their lives while they're working. That's how this thing is financed. So again, right now there's no money in the trust. They Mm -hmm. need all of the employees around the state to contribute to this trust in order to pay out that long-term care benefit. So this is a lifetime payroll tax. As long as you're working, you're going to get taxed. And there's no way to get out from under it unless you have your own coverage that you've acquired by November 1st of 21. That's correct. And so I was on a call yesterday with an industry group and one of the carriers on that call said they received three years worth of applications in a month. That's insane. It's insane. (laughs) You guys must just be working nonstop. You know, since the law passed officially, um, it has been 24 seven and Tom and I, you know, when we get a chance to breathe every now and then we say, Hey, we're helping so many people with long-term care. 
Yes, yeah. the numbers are great and they're going to be great. Uh, but, you know, we're making a big impact and every employer and individual that we're talking to is unbelievably appreciative. You know, would you rather do some planning and buy insurance or pay a lifetime tax? You know the answer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So are there other states that have decided to go down Washington's road to the state's road and not wait for the D.C. to handle it? Yes. And, and you know, this does, you know, fall into the politics that you're talking about. It's a lot of blue states. And um, right now there are some that are further along than others. But we're tracking about eight states that are looking at a Washington-like or publicly financed program. Um, probably the, the one that's furthest along is California. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom created a task force, and that task force has been meeting quarterly. They've met three or four times, and it, it's uh, open to the public, so I've attended all of them, made public commentary, and uh, they all hired Oliver Wyman, the actuarial consulting firm, uh, to do the, the plan design, and they are going down the path of Washington, except the tax is going to be higher. <laughs> so um, California, Minnesota, Colorado, Illinois, Michigan, Missouri, Oregon, North Carolina, New York, and Utah is what we're tracking right now. And we're looking at other states to find out, are there others? Okay. And is there anything happening on the federal side as well with maybe you some know, of the new there were There were two uh, bills that were proposed that I don't think we'll ever see the light of day. Uh, one was uh, proposed by a congressman on, in Long Island, uh, in New York, that had a federal um, and private long-term care combination plan, which we're big fans of. We think that's the, ultimately the way that you solve this problem is a combination of private insurance and a public backstop. Uh, but that's, again, funded by a payroll tax. So I think that's kind of DOA. I'm not mm -hmm. sure that's going to get a lot of support other than somebody talking about long-term care. The other one that I think um, is, is, is the best option, to, if you want to solve the problem fastest, uh, Pat Toomey, who's a senator from Pennsylvania, unfortunately, he's retiring, uh, but he reproposed the Long-Term Care Affordability Act. And what this does, it allows individuals to take $2,500 a year from their 401k, 403b, or IRA penalty-free to pay for long-term care insurance. That's and, interesting. Um, it's it's that to me is the easiest. Look, it's not a perfect system. Not everybody contributes to their 401k, but there's a ton of money out there. And that's the easiest way to incent people to buy private insurance. Um, so a lot of these state programs are going to take a long time. There's going to be a lot of discussion around it. Um, the financing of these programs is likely going to come from a tax. I think that the penalty free withdrawal from these qualified accounts is the best way to go. Yeah, it sounds like it. And so with all of this sort of movement in the long-term care space legislatively, are you seeing shifts that the carriers are doing? Are there improvements to the policies that are being offered? Tom, I'll yeah. let you take that one. Sure. Yes, I, I think that based on the experience of carriers historically with long-term care insurance, we've seen a lot of premium increases over the years based on some assumptions that primarily were related to missing and lapse rate assumptions and the extended low interest rate environment. So I think carriers are trying to design products that put a little more of the risk potentially on the policyholder than themselves. And we've seen uh, development of products that are built on a indexed universal life chassis and also a variable life chassis that still have guarantees and floors for benefits, but um, also have upsides that can help out as well to pay for care in the future. 
these are the type of products that I think are going to appeal maybe to a younger uh, saving marketplace. To Steve's point, and what we've seen in Washington State, long-term care, unfortunately, is not really an event-driven sale, such as you know, you have a kid and you need life insurance or you buy a house and you need to have insurance for it. Um, long-term care is primarily bought by people who have personal experience. So any type of, of way to drive sales that are apart from that are going to be helpful. Um, a 401k opportunity to have a deadline to withdraw that money by a certain time to pay premiums. I think that will be pop, could be popular. Um, so the product designs are trying to um, offer more flexibility in the future than the older product designs. That makes sense. And are you seeing really a shift away from traditional standalone long-term care to some sort of hybrid linked rider kind of product? We're seeing a uh, all, all three markets kind of transition because the same issues that are uh, indicative of a traditional plan also impact the hybrid plans that have extension of benefit riders. So I think the, the carriers are trying to provide a lot of different options out there for, for products. We do know that inflation is a current concern for a lot of people and the cost of care has, after years of fairly low inflation, now we're seeing increased inflation. Um, I think COVID really set the stage for people deciding, I gotta have a plan in case something goes poorly and I think more people are going to want to age at home. So we need a dramatic increase in the infrastructure of home caregivers. Uh, we know that the reconciliation plan that's being proposed includes a lot of proposed money for home health care to expand. That's a, a, a Medicaid benefit. So that's not going to help uh, a, a lot of people. But I think the cost of care is going to drive up because of increased government money and also a shortage of people who want to be in the caregiving business. And so they're going to require higher wages and need more. So I do think that any plans that people look at, they need to incorporate future inflation into any planning. And they want to look at products that offer an inflation for future, uh, an opportunity, an option for future growth. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And when you were saying that Long-term care insurance purchases are not really event-driven purchases. You know, like I had a kid, now I need life insurance. Um, but they're more based on experience. And so you're trying to sort of shift the conversation. What are there some avenues for sales that you're seeing traction with? Well, I think that there's there's a few things that are opportunities. One is, you know, just having an enforced policy review. Even though a lot of people... Um, have not bought long-term care insurance, it's still a, a low market penetration. There are a lot of people who have. And an enforced policy review will allow you to do a few things. One, it will uh, let people know that they can avoid lapses. I think lapses are one of the worst things that can happen. Somebody pays premiums for a number of years and then accidentally lapses coverage. We've seen it from advisors we work with, and it's a terrible situation to, to be put into. So, uh, Setting a strategy so that uh, lapses are, are paid for and take care of, I think, is a real key uh, service that a financial representative can, can help out with our policyholder. I'd, um, I'd also say that um, this hasn't changed, despite all the discussions around D.C., the tax treatment of long-term care insurance. So um, if you're identifying business owner clients of yours, whether we're talking about a traditional long-term care plan or an extension of benefit hybrid, 
Uh, there's preferential tax treatment. You could purchase the policy, deduct the premium, and the policy benefits are going to be tax-free. So that's always something that we go back to and see action in. And a lot of people... Oh, oh I just was going to um, sort of lean into what Steve was saying, because we've talked a lot about businesses providing insurance and sort of insurance benefits to their employees as a way to retain and, and reward employees because of the tax advantages of it on both sides. And I think it was just, I wanted to sort of highlight that again, because what you said, Steve, is, you know, when you add the long-term care piece to it, you get tax advantages on that side too. So it just becomes additive in terms of employee benefits and tax advantages, right? It does. And, and there's like an, um, you know, Tom spoke to like the personal experience of it. I would say nine times out of 10, when we're talking about an employer funded carve out or just a voluntary offering on the employer side, the key executive just got done dealing with mom or dad. You know, they're writing the big check or they're dealing with a personal situation. They're in that age range um, and they want to do something for themselves. So we, we found that to be uh, something that happens quite often. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the most surprising things we've learned about long-term care insurance, Steve and I, in our years of experience, is that the you know the amount of money someone has doesn't really address the importance of the product and the planning. Um, just like a lot of people could, uh, you know, do investments on their own, they hire a wonderful wealth management firm to take care of that because it helps out the family so much. And no matter how much money you have, a long-term care insurance policy by having a third party come in there and help with the care coordination paying bills, it removes so much friction during this. Um, you know, we've dealt with it personally, we've seen it over and over. And I think that's what is really important message to get out as well. Long-term care insurance is an appealing product for all income and wealth levels um, because of how it can perform at that family crisis time. So really it's not necessarily about getting access to funds for long-term care insurance sometimes as much as it is getting access to expertise to help the family deal with a crisis situation. Yeah, one thing that, that we always say is that managing a long-term care event takes more than money. Yeah. And people don't, if, if they don't, if they don't have a, a, a dedicated pool of money that they've set aside and very few people do mm-hmm. for an event that isn't going to happen because they don't think it's going to happen it becomes very difficult to say, hey, we've got a lot of money, let's just draw that down and get the care we need. They're gonna tend to cling on and say, I'm gonna do this myself or help out before I dip into that. Um, It's just a different psychology mindset. It's not rational, but we know people don't act rationally with a lot of these events, especially with caregiving events. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, and you know, is there any other sort of sales ideas or, or ways to sort of position long-term care insurance that you guys see really is getting a lot of traction? You know, I, I, I'd say, you know, we, we talked about the corporate opportunities with the executive carve-outs or voluntary opportunities, you know, for your affluent clients. You know, I would look at this as kind of a concierge healthcare discussion, just as Tom mentioned, where, Yes, there's a financing in terms of the monthly benefit that comes in, but did you know these long-term care policies cover this and list all of the you know, care coordination services that's provided? So I think those two are, are what's resonating right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the tax advantages, you know, you just forget about the fact that you can get a policy that's paying you out 
you know, thousands of dollars per month on a tax favored basis. And every year, the amount you can receive tax free increases it. And if you look at plans that offer cash benefits, which are a lot of them, they really are a way to, um, you know, to, to get wealth out on a tax favored basis. Not under the most ideal circumstances, but having that plan in place is, is really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I like thinking about it that way. That's a, seems like a, it will really get a lot of traction where it's tax advantage, concierge health benefits effectively. Um, that's a, well, I mean, a it's, nice it's way. Like the messaging, Kristen, is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Like when, when you say the words long-term care, we all you know, cringe, but you have to talk about it differently in order to open to get somebody to open up to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way of talking about it. You know, the I think a lot of the press recently has been about the rate increases. And what we find when we're when we're doing an enforced policy review and advisor are doing them, they find out that often the plan benefits are have grown much more than they even anticipated. And the fact is they probably paid a lower premium for a number of years. Once you put it in that context, their the emotion is taken out of it a little bit and they can adjust benefits going forward. So um, in the other thing with the enforced policy reviews, sometimes the carriers are trying to get you to maybe reduce the inflation coverage or other things. And I think policyholders have an independent voice that can help them instead of just relying on what the carrier is recommending is extremely helpful um, during these conversations. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I want to thank you both for your time today, for your expertise and knowledge and for you know, keeping us apprised of what's going on in the industry and for really helping reframe the conversation around long-term care insurance and you know, providing benefits at all levels of wealth and income. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you.